Welcome into No Punt Intended, everybody, presented by Club Fantasy. Same as last week, I'm your host, Joshua Hudson. Joe needed a, a week off, you know, the whole day job and all that jazz. Uh, joining me, as always, Ryan Weiss. Thank you, buddy. It's always a pleasure having you on. That's right. And this week, we brought in the Mock Draft Kings for our first annual, I guess. Maybe we'll do this every year. I don't know. Uh, mock draft heading into the 2021 offseason. Big Travi, Johnny Game Time, and Austin from the Fantasy Whispers. What is up, gentlemen? Hey, we, we're here. We appreciate appreciate being called the Mock Draft Kings, although there's probably not a worse thing to be crowned king of, <laughs> like a fake draft of fake football. But we'll, we'll take hey, it, man. We'll take hey, it. Hey, I... I feel like a rock star right now, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna take it, dude. I'm well, that's why it. we put you on the top shelf, Johnny. Yeah, appreciate <laughs> that. Sense. Appreciate that. <laughs> All right, as I mentioned, we are doing a mock draft. Uh, this preview this week, we've got a 12 team setup, basic PPR, standard redraft stuff. Uh, Ryan went through, set all of that up, got everything uh, hyped up on Twitter. So, Ryan, I'm gonna kick it over to you as we. Uh, get this whole mock draft stream started boom and there it is so yeah we went with 12 team and i first of all want to bring up if you haven't followed the fantasy whispers follow them they do mock drafts every monday and they use a lot of different like standards um so they do every kind of mock draft you could really think about with this one i wanted to really keep it almost bread and butter um the kind of thing you're going to be playing in your basic office league so it's a 12 team league two running backs two wide receivers two flex five bench spots um we're going to go through draft these teams each one of us is going to pick our favorite at the end we're going to do our best to uh pick different teams so everybody can hear something good about their team except for one team mm-hmm. if there's time i want to pick a consensus consensus least favorite who we think would finish last out of this draft and it's not to hurt anybody's feelings though i am not a nice person so it's a little bit to hurt your feelings <laughs> but more importantly it's for don't you worry to get it'll better. probably be mine guys we'll yeah, take the gonna, heat for you I the hosts are not off limits there so um it it's not to it's it's to help people get better um mistakes that were made help you kind of see how we would do things different because it's kind of what we do so um like i said we're here we're here to help um and hurt just a little bit so i'm gonna go ahead and jump over to sleeper and click start this draft it looks like we have peewee 31 at the 101 spot and begin draft let's kick it love me a full room yeah, I know, right? About, well, I saw uh, just lit up. the The draft has started. I say I saw one of your boys, uh, Jay Blizzy or Jay. I what is it? Jay Blizzy, yeah, Blizzy, yeah. Josh I, is I, actually our our Whisper Nation Listener League champ. So I was gonna say, I know he's yeah, in all yeah. of your drafts and typically does very well. So. Oh yeah, he's yeah. definitely good. He'll be here to snipe all of Johnny's picks. It looks like because he's at <laughs> yeah, nine. Johnny's at ten. I'll get him a couple of times though. On yeah, the way why back. not? Don't don't worry about that. Hey, I, I just want to say it's it's nice for once that people, you know, can't see my picks. So, you know, because they're, they're normally on the screen. So, so it's nice like, for once that we've got no excuses now. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah there exactly. we go. There we go. There we go. I, I'm uh, just happy that Big Travi's not going to time out because I feel bad. He's always typing in the chat, doing everything for the show, and then ends up timing out on his picks at some point. Well, I can't so. I can't take all credit, but I do try to get in the other chats. You know, Johnny produces a, a mean show over there, but I'll give him that. But yeah, couple last couple weeks, you, you're calling me out right here, Ryan. I definitely oh, shit, have I'm on the clock timed out here. Let's see, Josh. Uh, yeah. Josh hey, no, we're doing our what happens. Hey, no, I forgot I was in four. Heavy is the head that wears the crown there, Hey, Josh. Yo, we're, we're doing our job. That's what we want. Yes, we want exactly. to distract him. 
Yeah, well, apparently. I get, I get my no, I get my one one. That's all right. It would have auto picked Derrick Henry for me. Like I'm not gonna complain about that. So. <laughs> Yeah, the Derrick Henry disrespect is interesting this year, but I mean, I what mean, is he? Fifth running back, so I mean, it's fair. It, it, at the end one, of the one. day, it's PPR. When he doesn't catch pass, I mean, dude, top two thousand yards last year and still wasn't like the best in the in PPR. So, I, like, I, I get it. You want the guys that are catching passes, the first four backs off the board. Those are guys that can easily catch sixty plus catches this year and. Are we are we confident enough in Devontae Adams that he should be going ahead of any of these running backs right now with uh, the Aaron Rodgers situation? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now we've been we've been running our mocks based on what we know, and all we know right now is that he's under contract and scheduled to play for them. So, if if it is how it's supposed, to, and obviously I'm a Packers fan too, so got the Adams jersey behind me there. I'm a little bit uh, biased, but I will definitely uh, be taking Adams in the first round if we know Rodgers is is there. Ahead of I ahead of which team. running backs? Well, I, I, I think you can make the case ahead of Derrick Henry just because of the passing, but like jo- to Josh's point, like was still a monster in volume and finished his, guess, it, guess what, RB3 in PPR. So it's not like he's finishing outside yeah, of top six, not. seven, or eight. So Johnny, you are. I think but you also have to keep in mind, too, uh, McCaffrey missed, what, all of three games. Right. Barkley only played in two games. If those guys play a full season, even at 2,000 yards, is Derrick Henry still RB3 in PPR right. at that point? Right. Yeah, I think yeah, Derrick Henry. I think Derrick Henry is going to be better this year than he was last year, and he was amazing Ooh. this year, and he's amazing the year before this. I think this could be the year where we see the climax of Derrick Henry's production come out. But everything is working in his favor. Darianton Evans is not a real threat, even if he's no. coming in as just a scat back role. They didn't load up in any new pass catching options. AJ Brown gets a big bump up from that, and we've all seen the workouts, and it looks like he's committed to actually leveling up a bit. And Rabel's running that entire system through Derrick Henry, so he might lose both of his legs this season but i think he's got a good <laughs> shot of breaking 2,000 yards again and we saw him at least getting mentions of more pass catching work involved so that could like he could be knocking on the door of history if that the actually good, happens the good news is that even if derrick henry's you know legs fall off you know halfway through this he'll you can still be the he'll still be the size of a regular human so <laughs> it's fine it's fine no i right, uh, i, I want to bring this up really quick because Cam Akers was RB10 off the board. Mm, We saw a couple games. Yeah, we saw a couple games last year where he got very heavy volume. There's been a lot of coach speak this year about McVay saying that Akers is the workhorse. Everybody in the fantasy community seems to be eating this up. Are we ready to crown this guy after really nothing last year? Yeah, first round's a little expensive for me. Um I personally, I think where he was going at the beginning of this offseason, you guys talked about, you know, mock your guys's first mock when we were mocking in February, he's coming off at the end of the second. I think it's a, a your guy thing. But like, honestly, Fred Breezy probably could have waited and got him in the second round here. Uh, didn't need to take him in the first. But yeah, to me, it's a little bit too much of an if situation for me to be taking him ahead of other running backs or wide receivers that are clear main veins in their offense especially in ppr because i think daryl henderson is going to finally step into that role especially with mm-hmm. Malcolm brown gone you're going to see more of a 50 50 split where acres is going to see a lot of carries and that's great but targets are way more valuable and i think that's where henderson's going to kind of uh table his value wow am i uh am i the only one drinking the kool-aid here um because <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you this granted 
one eleven, I do think is like your. It, it's getting up there, and like you, the caller's getting a little uh, tight around that that kind of draft pick. I much prefer if you can, you know, get him, you know, at that two hundred two spot, and that's like your second running back because I do think there is a legit shot that he has a top five running back year. Because we've seen this system with a guy like Todd Gurley, I'm not saying he's Todd Gurley. I'm just saying that system. And now you've got a, a major upgrade, in my opinion, of Matthew Stafford over Jared Goff. This is gonna they're gonna see so many more opportunities in the red zone. And if he is the guy, which once again down the stretch, they really leaned on him. And I don't see why they would change that narrative. Sure, they might give Henderson a couple more touches here and there. But Cam Akers, they drafted him to be a workhorse, and he showed that he could do it uh, down the stretch. Coming back from you know a broken rib or a, was it a dis dis displaced rib? Something yeah, like I that. think it was displaced. Yeah, displaced rib. So I mean, he had some toughness in him, and I I do believe there is a path for him to be a top five running back. Now wow. again, I. I think it is risky taking him in the first where he is your RB1 because if that does fail, we've seen that happen all the time where a small sample size doesn't actually lead to a full-time production over a year. That could be very risky. It would be hard to come back from. But if he's your RB2 and you go back-to-back RBs, I love that play. It's interesting to me seeing these running backs that are going off here in the second round and, you know, you hear a lot of talk about draft strategies, you know, going RBRB to start 12 team leagues. Look, we all know the tier breaks like it falls off pretty quick at running back. And I feel like instead of taking these bona fide studs at um, at wide receiver, we're reaching for these RB2s. I mean, I'm looking at, you know. Gibson Swift, which again, I don't think they're reaches in the sense that I think they will be very productive running backs that will take leaps in the second year. But J.K. Dobbins, I think there's still a lot of uncertainty, especially with uh, Lamar Jackson being the dominant runner there. They still bringing in Gus Edwards. I understand the um, the absence now of Mark Ingram, but he wasn't even that great last year. wasn't taking that many carries the the tail end of the season. And you're taking these guys over an A.J. Brown, who's likely going to see an increase in targets. Calvin Ridley, who was a wide receiver one. D.K. Metcalf, who was a wide receiver one. Stephon Diggs, who was a top two, three guy last year. I don't know that that makes sense in my eyes. And if somebody has a differing opinion, please, let's hear it. Josh, your OTC. Well, for me on this one, like I went back and forth between A.J. Brown, who Travis and I have spoken a lot in the last couple of weeks about his possible top wide receiver finish this year. I think he's got a lot of things going where A.J. Brown could be a top three wide receiver this year. D.K. Metcalf right there as well. He's improving, and if that route tree uh, takes a little bit of a bump and Russell Wilson gets calm, like he's going to cruise top wide receiver production all season long. For me, it was just where did that tier break at the the running back position. And for me, CEH is that last running back who has a shot at being a bell cow, being involved in the passing game, being the goal line, being somebody who could do it all for you. Does that mean I think that he's locked in to do it? No. But I think he actually has a legitimate shot. It's more likely that it's going to happen, especially with that improved Kansas City line. Um, And then there's just wide receivers further down the mix that could be this year's Stefan Diggs, could be this year's DK Metcalf, that I'm more interested in taking a stab on than getting a for sure type thing uh, at the wide receiver spot now and passing on one of those running backs who is a little bit softer than the first round guys, but has 
a lot of reasons to think they're going to be, if not elite, at least RB1, which, as you said, was harder to find. So so that's where it comes for me. There is a clear break. Yeah. Um, for for me, I, I I'll I'll break this up into kind of like two little segments, right? <laughs> for me, I I I personally, as a fantasy player, I find it much much easier to stream a wide receiver position than it is to for me to grab like two what I think are solid running backs, and uh, so I like to. That's how I like to play. I also um, was thinking about going AJ Brown. But Austin brought up a great point on our Monday mock draft, and and that was that we you have to just plan for your underwear to be taken, right? And <laughs> and so in, in drafts, and so I'm just gearing up that I'm not going to be able to get AJ Brown, and so I am trying to figure out what teams look like without him on there. So, but with that said, I absolutely love AJ Brown. If this was, um, you know, kind of a little bit more of a, a league where we were more indefinite and we we're going to make moves beyond this. I do think I would try that anchor strategy of basically of what Johnny's AJ saying Brown. is if he was trying harder, he would have, <laughs> AJ Brown, but no, he's not trying not that hard. No, so like, don't worry about it. I'm not, I don't, don't no, when his I, team is voted the last place this team, when we get to the end of it, it'll just be because I, he wasn't trying that hard. That's why I paused during that whole thing. Cause I re, <laughs> was rewinding that conversation in my head. I was like, this is not what I want to come out. Like I'm not, I am, I am trying. I'm going to find the point before I finish. It's like the Michael Scott quote where he says, I just start a sentence and I don't even know where it's going to end. I just try to figure it out. We'll get there together, though. Yeah, but yeah. Johnny Br- brings up a good point, though, because when you have players, and we've all talked about this in mock drafts before, the whole get your guy mentality. Mm-hmm. When you have players and you want to get your guy, where your draft pick is really makes you have to plant that flag earlier than you might want to. Because in Johnny's just specific slot, he was the 110 you you're already in the back end of running backs. You want to go running back there. So you really, he would have had to pass up on Antonio Gibson on his turnaround pick in order to grab AJ Brown there. And then he'd be looking at the Johnny, you're up, I said, Johnny, yeah, you're no, I, okay. no, I know. I, I was going, I was like, you're not hosting. You shouldn't be forgetting this. Come <laughs> yeah, on. I, no, no, no. I was going back and forth between Keenan Allen and, and I, say, I, I trust that everybody can see it at this point. I have to Josh, really, I have to really like kill the rest of this draft. Are I you guys going to think I'm tanking it on purpose or something? But Josh, you brought up one interesting point where it feels like we're reaching for running backs. And here's why I think that is in essence true. And I'm not going to pretend my projections are the end all be all. But one thing I noticed when I finished up my projections today, my first little run, I have 18 running backs projected to score 200 or more fantasy points. I have 36 wide receivers projected to score 200 or more fantasy points. The, is the that PPR is scoring, there. Ryan? PPR, full PPR, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I mean, it happens every year. I mean, even when I was doing my projections last year, like you see just the the amount of the sheer volume of wide receivers that have that chance to pop. And you, just, you know inevitably that it's not going to happen because of injuries or – you know, inconsistencies or whatever it may be, but it, the same thing holds true even at the running back position. And I, I just feel like that there's so much more reliance on running backs just because of a, a scarcity standpoint that at the end of the day, you're still just trying to score fantasy points. Yep. So instead of well, reaching to fill out a certain position, just grab the guy that's going to score more points. 
And to Austin's point earlier, it's not just a scarcity at the running back position because I actually would argue that we've increased from last year to this year given the second-year guys, Antonio Gibson, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, guys that are getting pushed up into the running back uh, room that we're drafting ahead. But once again, like last year, we've got rounds three through seven, four through seven, whatever, whatever you want to say, littered with wide receiving talent that each one of them we could be like, oh, this guy's going to crack. You know, this guy's going to be this year, as Austin said, Stephon Diggs. This guy's going to be this year's DK Metcalf, who takes that step ahead. And I just think we're just seeing that continuously. And so, yeah, we're going to see these top. I just have to say, it's I'm pretty proud of this draft, and I'll probably screw it up by saying this, but <laughs> we don't have a single quarterback drafted yet. Like, and we're yeah. in the fourth round. Like, this pretty good stuff, uh, you know, pretty by-the-book stuff, which, you know, always sucks because you'll never get a draft like this in your home league. Exactly. So. <laughs> and the one thing I, I want to add on to Travi's point there is when you get a dice throw wide receiver that you're hoping is going to take a couple tier jump up, even if they don't, they're probably still going to have some decent production. They're not going to just be a blank spot on your roster, which actually may be a, a pro or a con as where with a running back, if you're gambling on him being a dude, and he's not, he's just burning a hole. So it's like, yeah. get rid of him, but the that bust, wide receiver. The, yeah. the low is lower with an RB that flames out than it is with a wide receiver who can at least, you know, recoup, especially in PPR, I would say. Which maybe it's actually yeah, the worst. Yeah, and to that point, sense. yeah, and to that point, I mean, we see Miles Gaskin here going in the fourth round. Like, there's a lot of very much unknowns, and then right behind him is Mike Evans, who has seven straight years of 1,000 right. yards. Right. Like, what is with at the that Mike point, it, it it feels like a reach because mm. you're just trying to fill a starter spot versus grabbing the guy that is going to put up fantasy points. Josh, it's, you know what we say uh, on our channel when when guys do that? We say just like Woody, reach for sure. your guy. <laughs> we always say, man. Josh, you're so right about it though, and I saw it happen last year. What I what I kind of coined is the emergence of the floor play running back, and there were so many more floor play running backs that came up, and they were littered across the waiver wire. You could grab a guy who was going to be getting like five to eight touches, maybe be a Gus Edwards or uh, whatever different running back Miami was rolling out that week. Like there was somebody that you could get in your lineup that was going to like you know, get you five, six, seven points, which was a little bit of a departure. So I agree with you on this one. Like for me, a lesson I took to heart last year, I think it's echoing what you were talking about here. I'm going to be fading on all the mile Gaskin types for me, just because I could grab instead somebody who's got some more oomph or some more ceiling to them uh, because the Gaskin type, I took, you know, Damian Harris and Sony Michelle. It was, a, it was a mortal sin that I took last year I'll and they were just so boring. You know what I mean? Like, oh no. Good. Yeah. Oh, I got my guy. Are I got my you guy. unbelievable? I got my guy. <laughs> what is up with this? How how am I always in mock drafts where they auto pick? I didn't auto pick it. Players. I clicked it. I clicked them. Where they auto pick? I was going to say he should not have been the pick, but I think he got it in right before the time went out. So. Uh, okay. Yeah. No. I got it. it. Gives you it gives you a little bit of a leeway there. It's like time's up, but if you click it, it still lets it go. Through. Boom. <laughs> Oh man! Well, another interesting so we see, point. Go ahead, Ryan. Another interesting point to what Austin's saying, though, is not only not reaching for a guy like Gaskin, and I'm a huge Gaskin advocate, like I, I love him, but you don't know how far he might actually fall. So why not take the guy with boom? And you might be surprised that he's actually sitting there again on your next pick if everybody else has a weird distrust in him. Because what's very interesting about the Miami situation, just Gaskin in specific, 
is they lean on their lead running back. If you look at Miami's overall box score, it looks like they used a lot of running backs, but that's not what they did. They used whoever was healthy that week and they leaned on their lead guy. Now I didn't like the quote from Gaskin this week that the playbook is changing greatly. I'm hoping it's just the change in the playbook and not the change in how they're going to use people because that could change Gaskin's value immensely. Well, with a completely different offensive coordinator, they could have a very different philosophy when it comes to utilizing the uh, the running back position. Yeah. I mean, you know, Chan Gailey, for the most part, has always been a guy that he's going to handle most, you know, that lead running back's going to handle at least 60% of the touches over the full season, and they'll work out, you know, however many players that, that go in and out of the lineup. So, you know, they don't really have any world beaters in Miami. Let's be real. Yeah. Everybody was banging the drum for them to draft a running back, and they waited until the seventh round to do so. Maybe they like what they saw thing. from. No, that's well. I mean, it, it's smart to not spend high draft capital on a running yeah. back. Yes, I agree. But when I say high draft capital, I'm thinking like first round. Like get yeah. a guy in the second round, especially with the amount of picks that they have. That's not a bad thing at all. Well. I just I think that we're going to really start to and I honestly I really feel bad for the running back position and and players that are going into football to be a running back because I can honestly see that being the direction that that position's going whereas more and more teams un- uncover these running backs that are undrafted and and plug and play running backs and see the analytics behind that because there are some analytics that do back you know that you could just grab a, a plug and play kind of running back uh you know that fits certain metrics right uh then that's going to cause this depletion. Now you will always see these elite running backs that will be taken higher. But I think as more and more teams, we've seen this evolution of how analytics plays a part in players, draft capitals and things like that. I think we could start seeing that with the running back position. So I do think that that's something really, really interesting to take note of with the miles Gaskin was that he was a seventh rounder. So he, he wasn't anything, significant so when you're talking about players and we we sometimes mention this you know when you're drafting not only draft for right now and like what you could potentially think you know if you're excited about a player sure draft them like you want to watch players you enjoy drafting but also have in the back of your mind like okay if this guy isn't who i think he is does he is this name going to still retain some kind of value to where I could get from out from under this. If it's not working a guy like miles Gaskins, if it's, if it's not working for him, it's going to be hard to trade him. Yep. But if you have a guy like, you know, maybe Miles Sanders or David Montgomery who are, are going kind of in that same realm uh, and, and they don't pan out right away, people will still buy those players. Cause they're like, Oh, like I know that you have the right name. Before. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, that's something that we like to point out as well during drafts. That's so I'm going to mention two things really quick. One, of course, I was contractually obligated to take Deontay Johnson here. Yeah. And two, I'm getting yelled at by our host to uh, feature his comments on uh, from YouTube. Uh, Joe, what a good-looking group. Of course, minus Ryan and Josh. Thank you, you <laughs> asshole. Uh, and the handsomeness ratio really takes me. What a fucking egomaniac. Jesus <laughs> All right, Joe, you're done. Bye. Go back to work. <laughs> Uh, shout out to shout out to Joe. He'll be on our show uh, on Friday. Yes, uh, where we'll be talking about the uh, AFC East. 
So that'll be really, really fun. Really look forward to that. I wonder if uh, Joe be prepared for long-winded teams. diatribes about the Patriots. Hey, no, I mean, right. you, you've got long-winded diatribes from him. You'll get them from Johnny. It'll be, uh, it'll be a great show. Long-winded diatribes about the Patriots. Call the last decade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so with them going within three picks of each other, I'd like to hear everybody's take on Amari Cooper versus CeeDee Lamb this year. I mean, it's um, a high volume passing offense. I mean, yeah, like you know, I really at the end think... of the day. Yeah, go for it, Josh. Go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, at the end of the day, they could very well end up being neck and neck. I mean, we saw it last year with with DK and, and with Tyler Lockett. I mean, when I did my projections in the offseason, I literally had them back to back. They were I think it was 20 and 21 or 21 and 22 and they finished seven and eight like it. You know, you could very well see the exact same thing this year in Dallas. If Dak comes back and is healthy the way that we all expect him to be, Cooper, I think, is going to be his guy because he is the X in that offense. Yeah. If they keep Lamb running through the slot, if he if he catches the ball, because he was, I believe, second or third in the league in drops last year, and everybody wants to rip Deontay Johnson for that, yet they're giving C.D. Lamb a pass. I didn't know that. Yeah. So Wait, can you repeat you know, that CD, stat one more time. I said CD Lamb was, I believe, either second or third in drops per pro football focus. I think he had like oh, eight wow. drops last okay. year. Yeah. So uh, but again, like everybody's talking about Deontay Johnson being the drop guy when CD Lamb had plenty of drops himself. So I mean, you're talking about what a, a second year guy versus a rookie? Like mm-hmm. these are young players, they're going to get better. If CD Lamb gets better those numbers are only going to go up. And really the odd man out for me is Michael Gallup in that instance. Yeah. I was basically going to say similar stuff to that. Probably not as eloquently as Josh, but I was just going to say that Amari Cooper to me makes a lot more sense. And he seems to be QB proof. So even if Dak were to not come back healthy, I mean, obviously they had, they had Dalton last year, but Amari Cooper held his value pretty well last year without Dak. And so I guess I would just say that as far as a prospect is concerned, uh, familiarity with the offense. And then as Josh said, what he, what role he plays in the offense, the targets are definitely going to funnel to Amari Cooper first and then CD lamb secondary. But I think to his point, like we can have both of these guys succeed. And and maybe if you wanted to just say like, give me my guy. And if your guy's CD lamb, then take CD lamb. Like I don't, I have no problem with that. Like, I just think that Cooper is also getting a little bit slept on uh, in the fourth round, similar to like a Mike Evans, you know, where it's like, you're getting a guy that's probably going to be very productive in X wide receiver in one of the highest volumous pass offenses. We're going to see this year uh, because they didn't do anything to their defense. That makes me think they're going to be marketably better and and not be throwing a whole ton more. They're definitely going to still be throwing a bunch. Yeah. The big knock on Cooper has always been consistency. And he right. seemed or to lack thereof. Out. And yeah. last year he was consistent. And he just yeah. seems to be way more consistent with Dallas and with Dak than he's ever been, you know, in in well, in, I think the big thing was McCarthy's offense. Like they went through and they made him a focal point in this passing game. And I think part of that is his contract. I mean, if you're gonna pay a guy 20 million a year, throw him the fucking football. Like it's right. not rocket yeah. science. Yeah. The funny thing about Amari <laughs> Cooper investment, you know. <laughs> Amari Cooper is like the most inconsistent, consistent player that I can think of off the top of my head where his games are so volatile. But with the exception of the 2017 season where he only started 12 games, he's broken 1,000 yards every season of his career, and that includes his rookie season. That includes the Dallas to Oakland 
transition season as well. There's only been one time where he played 25% less games that he hasn't broken a thousand yards. So it, it, it's kind of this funny thing where like, I, I think he deserves a lot of the, the criticism that comes his way, but at the end of the season, he, he kind of always gets it done. And I don't know how we should appropriately evaluate him. You asked the question, if I'm drafting, I'm just going to take whoever falls to me. I'm not going to take the first one and I'm stoked whoever, whoever I end up getting. To, yeah. To, I mean, it's a classic case with, with most of these teams that have two, three viable passing options. I mean, you know, I'll bring up the the Bengals because we, we've seen now two of these guys here go in the sixth round. T Higgins went first and then Jamar Chase goes to Ryan here at the 605. Like the Bengals last year. And, and I feel like a lot of people are kind of sleeping on this fact. They had three wide receivers that topped hundred targets last year. Yep. Yep. And that was with only half a season of Joe Burrow. AJ Green is now in Arizona. You now slot Jamar Chase into there. Same question. Which of these guys are you valuing better? Chase, Higgins, or Boyd there in the slot? I do, I do want to give two cents real quick on the Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, because yeah. I, I have a great stat for that. Um, do it. To back, uh, to back Austin's point, prior to last year, actually, because uh, last year uh, Amari Cooper was actually the most consistent he's ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, prior to that year, he was a Tyler Lockett type of player. If you yes. look at his production, he got 50, and it was crazy. It's like It was like clockwork. 55% of his total fantasy production came from uh, four games every every single year of his career up until last year. And so that was why I'd always stayed away from Amari Cooper and, and went with the Michael Gallup uh, at the time because I was like, well, you know, Michael Gallup will still have his games. This is a good offense, but I don't want the inconsistency of Amari Cooper and I want to pay up for that. And so that was kind of how I, I was seeing it. But with C.D. Lamb, it's interesting because – I, I I like the fact that he plays in the slot a lot and he's an, a true alpha. I think we can all agree that once, you know, we we would project in the next three years that CeeDee Lamb will be the alpha in, in okay. Dallas. And so when you have a player like that in the slot who can consistently take advantage, you know, every single play, uh, you know, or has the potential to do that, I think that that's where I get caught up with CeeDee Lamb and saying, okay, I would be willing to do that and and pay for that. But I, I would also agree with Austin saying, like, I'm down to get whatever one comes later as a second one. and And I think that that's great value. That's exactly how I'm attacking the Bengals two wide receivers as well. Mm-hmm. I was looking at Higgins and Chase. Chase on Sleeper's current ADP is a little bit further down. Yeah. I was going to gamble and see if he could make it another round for me. But then when Higgins went, I was like, well, that's the end of that. Because I wanted Lockett or Higgins as the wide receiver two and then was going to hope to land Chase as the three. They both went and that's get your guy ter- territory. You want I wanted Chase as my wide receiver two. I think he's going to have a good season. So I just had to grab him there. Tyler Boyd super- out? Are we out on Tyler Boyd now? Yeah. I'm a notorious Tyler Boyd hater to begin with. I still think he sees (laughs) over 100 targets. I I think he's going to be productive, but I don't think he's even going to be wide receiver two productive. He's going to be that back end or front end wide receiver three who has an occasional good week. But I think everyone likes to point to what Boyd was when it was he and AJ Green. And that's absolutely fine. Higgins and Chase are... I'm not saying they're better than what Green was in his prime, but it's two guys who are approaching AJ Green in his prime that Boyd has to now overcome, and that's a lot. So, uh, not be... just that, but like who Burrow is as a passer too does mm-hmm. not cater as much to a Boyd situation, especially when he's got a guy in Higgins who he established real good rapport last year, and a guy in college that he established good rapport with in college. So he's like you said, 
not just the talent perspective, but the chemistry perspective that now he has to overcome. Uh, and Boyd's just, you know, his drop off from Andy Dalton to Burrow was very clear, you know, mm. seven to five targets per game was the drop off. You know, he's definitely not a guy that gets peppered as much. Mm. And it's a vanilla, it's a vanilla situation. It's like Jarvis Landry, you know, going from, you know, Jarvis Landry to an, a, a definitely more talented wide receiver. No yeah. offense to any of the guys there. Well, and mm. then you, and then even if you break it down, even past that too, like, okay, well, what's his touchdown upside? Because maybe there's that, but it's like you've got, like you said, the chemistry with Jamar Chase. You've got a T. Higgins who's 6'4 on the outside, and then you've also got Joe Mixon. So it's like you're going down the chain of of kind of commands as far as, okay, what what's the likelihood that he would garner a fair share of, of red zone targets? And it's like, well, even that's kind of low. So it's like yeah. I think he is the odd man out, but I, I will be honest with you. I am so used to Jamar Chase coming off in the uh the end of the fourth early fifth that i thought he was gone and so (laughs) i i didn't i would have definitely taken chase over iuke are you serious yes because i love iuke you know this but really yeah i i am i I, i'm a big debo samuel guy like i like the value of debo samuel and so like if i could have gotten chase the round before and then you know like right here i would take debo i would have taken that over probably whatever i'm gonna so many now. interesting wide receiver duos where it's like that we're like i want one of them and i don't really care which one it is <laughs> so yeah yeah uh, samuel's not matter, one that I, i'm targeting at all yeah i'm a huge Personally. value guy when it comes to drafts like that's that's what i look for i'm like i'll i like players at values and then i can go from there and i can make trades because that's the other part that i really enjoy is making trades and so it's like plays into my game but some people don't like that some people want to get their guys at the draft and one thing I want to throw out real quick for our listeners, if you are someone who does not watch live, I will post this draft board to our Twitter page tomorrow um, when we post all the links to the show. So that way you can kind of see what's going on. We're not talking about every pick or giving you a full breakdown. You'll hear a lot about the teams at the end of the draft, but as players go off the board, we're going to talk about the ones we find interesting, but I will make the full draft board available for everybody tomorrow. And start. And then we can really live. get some opinions on who had the best draft. <laughs> there you go. Or the worst draft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah then it's forever it's up on the exactly. internet forever exactly We're done come on now we know it didn't happen unless it's on the internet let's there be real take a picture <laughs> <clears throat> i i wanted to come back josh you you mentioned debo's not a guy you're targeting can you just elaborate on why because i i like debo and i think that him and Ayuk play such similar roles and I would be interested to hear that conflicting uh, argument for Debo or against Debo uh, as a guy. You're for me, it's to. all about availability. I mean, going back even to college at South Carolina, he was consistently hurt. You know his style of play. He's the type of guy that's going right. to stick his nose in there, and he's going to make pe- he's going to punish people for trying to tackle him. Mm. You can do that as a running back, and he's built like a running back. But when you consistently develop injuries based on that style of play you kind of need to start altering your style of play. And I don't know that he's going to alter his style of play. So for me, it just boils down to availability. And, you know, he's somebody that I I think it was, there was one game last year where I think it was his a dot was like literally negative yards. Like they were just, all they were doing was pumping him with bubble screens and then yards after the catch, which, Hey, is great. If that's your offense, that's your offense. So be it. I think Ayuk just works better as more of a true route runner 
and a true downfield threat versus Debo that I think is more of a, a Z type where they're going to create plays for him and generate him via the scheme. And mm-hmm. I would much rather trust the X guy in that offense than the Z because I've seen the X in a Kyle Shanahan offense absolutely explode. And that goes right. all the way back to his time in, in, you know, Atlanta, in Washington, like that's just that style of offense. They spent a first round pick on Brandon Ayuk. Right. I don't think you do that unless you feel like, hey, this will be my guy. So I, I yeah, would just, that, I would, I would rather pay up to get Ayuk in that situation. That makes sense. I like that breakdown for sure. Um, I, I totally, I do agree with the uh, your X and Z wide receivers for sure. Um, and yeah, I do project Brandon Ayuk to be the the one A here. But what I like about this, uh, and it's a good point to bring up, it, this is PPR. And so I don't care if it's a bubble screen or not. I actually prefer it because then I'm getting one point, um, which is basically equivalent to 10 yards for doing absolutely nothing. And um, you also look that the reason they do that is because of the type of player Debo is. Now, I, I granted, I didn't really think about the, you know, the missed time and, and, and you are absolutely correct there. He does miss a lot of time. So, uh, you know, and having to pay, this is a little bit gambling on that for sure, but I do like, you know, yards after catch. He ranked 14th in the in the league last year, even, you know, despite missing some games, uh, a, a fair amount of games. And uh, he's a, a, a yak monster. And that was why he got drafted in the first place was because he's a yak monster. And that's why, you know, you look across Kyle Shanahan's entire offense, and that's what he goes after, yak guys. And that's why Brandon Ayuk was kind of a surprise that, he went so high, but it was because of that ability. So I think once again, these are two guys where we keep throwing out, you know, give me the whatever guy is cheaper in that duo. I think this is going to be a productive offense. It's going to move. And I think that I would take the stab on the on the cheaper guy. But I do like Brandon Ayuk for sure to be that alpha guy. So uh, and he is a lot less injury prone. So that was a good point, Josh. I like that one. They're kind of like one, two. What do you think about uh, – because I, I like DJ Chark this year, but I also really like Chenault on there. Is, there. is there any reason to consider Chenault over Shark, or how do you how do you evaluate those two with Lawrence coming in at QB? Well, you guys, I actually brought up a point in the comments on your last show. With all of the Travis ATN playing wide receiver news, that actually worries me for Visca. Mm. Now, I think it was Travi who brought up he had heard a lot of news that they're going to use Visca more like an alpha, so that kind of can – push those worries away yeah. but it's it's kind of like what you heard about visca when he came out he was a wide receiver in a running back's body well now they're literally trying to do that with travis atn and so it makes me a little nervous that they're in the same lane and if they're in the same lane there may not be a lot of fantasy points for one of them in that lane so, mm. so it's like chart because he's six four and stands apart then maybe his yeah and even marvin jones there. just because of what he can do with the 50 50 ball and it's one of my favorite i i I've, i think i say this i sound like a broken record not a big college film or anything guy but it really struck me how well trevor lawrence throws the deep fade the back corner fade in the end zone and he has chark and marvin jones who can do that so well i'm really excited to see the amount of touchdowns they could potentially put up Mm. i think i think we're a year great pick travi i was staring him down (laughs) (laughs) i couldn't talk myself out of it i I gotta take it here 
I think we're just a year early on LaVisca. So I, I would project them because he is a very nice, he, he would project kind of in that alpha role. But I think because this is the last year for Chark on his contract, and there's been a lot of speculation and rumors that they aren't going to uh, re-sign him. So it would make sense that they're starting to groom LaVisca's in that way uh, to be like, all right, hey, learn from Chark, you know, how to be this alpha role. And so I think it might just be a year early. So if you're in Dynasty, go out and try to get him. Yeah. Uh, but if uh, for redraft, it might be a little slower. You might have to wait until DJ Chark if and when he gets hurt. Well, that's even a bigger point in Dynasty is it, you can try to go get him now, but the hype is still there now. Mm-hmm. Wait till he has two or three down weeks during the season, yeah. and that he might be a very easy buy at that point. Yeah, you could like sell the Lawrence. You could sell Lawrence's lack of chemistry with them yeah. or something like that early on for sure. And then try yeah, to look how they're using ATN that he's not going to have a chance this that or the other. But we all know next year ATN is going to be a regular running back. It's very likely Marvin Jones isn't there. Like this because the lane is going to open up pretty big for him next year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and I think the difference between LaVisca and Debos, let's say, both injury prone in, in high school and both or in college and both uh, their style of play can get them in trouble because they can get all over the field. But Visca is actually a guy who projects way better to be an alpha based on like the year that he broke out. He was definitely like a Heisman Trophy candidate for all of the things he was doing. They weren't just gadgeting him. Yeah, they had carries in the red zone, but he was a guy that like got up and got the ball on 50-50 balls as well. So I think visca has got a better a higher ceiling for me than like a Debo Samuel uh, or, or other gadget style wide receivers, but he's still got to get it done. Like we can't keep saying that every single year too. One of the things I liked about Visca though, was you always hear the hyperbole when a guy comes out of college that he's a threat to score every time he touches the ball. We saw that from him oh, yeah. very early and we saw defenses be afraid of this guy. And it's not like he's a big guy, but they knew if he touched the ball, he was a threat to score. And so it was nice to see that hyperbole make its way to the field. Well, I mean, Visca, I think, is what, 6'2", 220? Yeah. yeah. He is a pretty big guy for a wide receiver. Right. Uh, and he, yeah. you know, he runs like it. So, yeah. you know, again, similar to Debo, like they have this sort of play style where they're just going to hit you. They're going to run over you. They're going to take the punishment. And that plays into their availability. I mean, Visca, he missed a couple of games last year. Missed half his uh, junior year in, in college, I believe. So, yeah. I mean, again, you're looking at a guy that, you know, I don't like using that injury prone label, but you're but best. done it twice. Your now. best. <laughs> exactly, your, but the thing is, your it's best asset is availability. Like your best, no, your best asset is availability. And when you're not available, you're not scoring fantasy points. It's that simple. And at the end of the day, you want to draft players that are going to score you fantasy points. I mean, and we all I, just... go ahead. Well, go ahead. I was just going to say, shouldn't we all come to the realization that Tim Tebow is going to score all the touchdowns for this team anyway? Fuck Tim Tebow. He's not even making it out of Stop with that bullshit. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Okay, okay, so let me ask you guys then, um, down that street, uh, what – at what point do you start to maybe gamble a little bit more with your with your picks? Like you, you talked about, yeah, they you know you have to have guys that uh, that score fantasy points, but at the end of the day, you also have to have guys that you need to drop as well. So uh, I mean, you're not going to have your whole entire roster the same roster 
as you do at the end of the year. So at what point do you guys kind of, you know, personally, or do you guys uh, recommend that you guys start taking a little bit more gambling on your, on your players? For me, right it's right here. around now. Yep. I was going to say right around now. <laughs> one of the things I do. Right about here. Chase the upside. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I do at the beginning of a draft is I, we know we're going to take the guys ranked higher up. We don't know what order they're going to go in. I start scrolling down to the very low ADP guys for guys that I see with upside. And I only add those guys to my queue. Cause then when I start hitting these round 10, I don't care about ADP anymore. I just start grabbing the guys out of my queue because they're my high upside guy. So the, you asked this question at the perfect time because this is exactly when I start doing that. And to Johnny's point about preparing for your underwear to get snatched, that's like really the best way to go about it. Cause I always find myself <laughs> just before this trying to say, Doing what I should be doing, you know, finding a guy who still holds value and maybe he's got a little bit of upside, but nobody's really excited about him. And you're really taking him just because you think you're supposed to. And let me get this wide receiver five just in case. It's like that's that's a recipe for misery as far as yeah. I've seen in the, the fantasy years that I play. Like grab those guys that you're like, no, watch this watch this league and then remember me taking him in the 12th round at the end of the season when the entire industry is talking about it. Like it's way more rewarding to jump down there, Ryan, just as you talked about and to fill those guys up. And I, you're actually going to change my, my draft behavior from here on out. Like I'm exclusively <laughs> double digits onward. Like if I, I, I have to get three pages down. I don't want anybody yeah. who anybody can see. Real, it's, real hipster. it's funny though where you said you have to remember what round you'll take it i'll never forget this fantasy draft moment for a moment in my life i play in a 14 team home league it's basically been the same group of guys for a long period of time and you my youngest yes well and my i have siblings and everything in the league, so. um, john the pain in johnny's voice there was really <laughs> My youngest brother, who is 10 years younger than I am, and uh, I kind of got him into sports, and we we love football, we love fantasy football. Well, he's been in the league basically since its inception. And the year before this guy blew up, he took him far too early. So you talked about getting him late. My brother made sure he was going to get his guy. So he took Cooper Cup in the fifth round of this draft. We do three keepers, and he took him in the second round. So essentially the fifth round of this draft. Literally. There are 14 people in this league. My brother and I knew who Cooper Cup was, and that's only because I worked in fantasy and had to know who Cooper Cup was. <laughs> yeah. People didn't know how to spell his name. They had literally no idea. Cooper Cup blew up that year. My brother instantly changed his team name to Keeper Cup and has held on to him the <laughs> nice. entire time. Nice. But he holds it over our head to where, yes, he overpaid. I'm like, dude, you could have got him with the last pick and had an even bigger joke on all of us. But like that is his like discovery and crowning moment that he talks about to this day. So. Get your guy, that's so great awesome, you're like oh i knew i shouldn't have told you <laughs> Any, anyone to come to of, uh, joe's first dynasty draft where uh, in the first round he took marcus mariota because he wanted to get his guy and he thought it was like madden where you start with quarterbacks it was the most funniest thing ever <laughs> do you guys know a little little on our league of record toltum as it's called our essential player mascot is uh, and it was because he was taken. Uh, I might just go and blink on his name right now. Ricky Johnny, who's our mascot? Williams. Ricky, Ricky Williams. Ricky Williams. Ricky Williams is our league mascot because year one, 11 years ago, uh, J-Bone, as his nickname was, uh, his <laughs> girlfriend loved football more than he did, and she was a Ricky Williams diehard. And she said, you take Ricky Williams with your ninth overall selection. <laughs> 
And so Jay Bone took Ricky Williams with his backup. Well, and this is when he was in Baltimore. He's a backup running back in Baltimore. Dude, Keep in it, mind you for when this happens. And then Jeremy went on to go 0 and 12. And so, and he's the only person in our league history to ever not win a game. And so our last place trophy is called the Jay Boned. And you have a jersey that has J-Bone on the back. But now we have Ricky Williams on our championship belt. He's on the loser one. We had uh, we had him. Um, he actually chimed in and, and shared a little video with us for last year, sharing That's support. Awesome. I think one of our, our buddy's partners got that and, to be done. But And it was classic because it, when he when she said she's like, you're picking Ricky Williams. Like it was a, it was it was a, <laughs> not no a options. decision. Yeah, no options. And like we were all like, oh, I don't know if you should do that. And she straight up like shut him down and the whole thing. And she was like, I'm paying his dues. He'll pick whoever oh, I want. Like, Whoa, all right. Sure enough, Ricky Williams coming off. I'm so That's glad funny. See, you that. mentioned Ricky Williams. I figured it was just the league full of stoners. Yeah. But, hey, you know, hey. <laughs> we did go to we did go to NAU, so we did go to NAU. I love that's, it. A, that's a not so partner. silent partner right there. Right? <laughs> Dang it, Gus Bus came off. I was really hoping you'd fall to me. Yeah, yeah. that wasn't happening. I, I like I'm basically throwing darts at running back, so I'm taking everybody. Yeah, did a little modified point. zero there, Josh. <laughs> yeah. my, my cue is depleting quickly. I was sad to see Gus go. I, I, I bet you, I bet you, Josh is wishing he would have taken, you know, Najee Harris or David Montgomery over <laughs> Stefan Diggs in the second round now, huh? Not yeah. even a little bit. Aren't you? Give me Aren't you? As you, see all, as you see all these wide receivers that you're like, oh, I like him. I would take Dude, him. Dude, I, I have like four wide receivers right now that could very easily see 120 plus targets. Uh, I will take that all day every day. I'm not, I won't argue with that actually. I like, <laughs> I do like, I actually looked at uh, every single one of your wide receivers uh, before you drafted them, except for Stefan Diggs. So well done. I, I thought about AJ Brown there over Diggs. I was that close, but I was like, you know what? Nah, him and Josh Allen, they're, they're going to be QB one RB or uh, wide receiver one this year. I just, it, I feel it, but I do want, I want to touch on uh, Travis pick here in the 10th round. Tyler Higby, come on, dude. Did yeah. we not learn our lesson after last year? Yeah, a little bit different. Over uh, Logan Thomas, mind you. A little, little bit different uh, that <laughs> he doesn't have Gerald Everett on the field with him this year. Uh, went to Seattle. No, he's, he's, got got a, he's got a much better quarterback throwing him the football who has a history of loving his tight end as well. So I'm buying on Higby. Uh, I, I think it's just worth the, the dart throw here. Logan Thomas, I get everybody. I mean, I was in between the two of them, but I like I like Higby as well. And I, I'm really buying into the discount you can get this Rams offenses in on a whole just with Matt Stafford coming to town. And I think this mm. is an offense that is proven when it's clicking with a Jared Goff to be one of the top offenses in the league. Imagine what it could be and what could open up with Matt Stafford and more opportunities there. So. Yeah, I mean, you can hammer me home, but it's a 10th round tight end. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I mean, I get you. Man, you're, you're throwing yeah. darts at the tight end position after the right. first three rounds and, anyway well, when the top three guys go. And but. Josh, let me, I, I do, let me, I want to try to convince you here because I, I definitely, and I could be, I could go down on this hard. Hey, if Mike Wright man, couldn't convince but, me on Tyler hey, Higby, trust me, dude. I, I will say that if during when he was the guy, the only tight, you know, main tight end, right? He had over 14 fantasy points uh, one week and 24 in the other week. That was just last year without Everett, right? 
And then back in 2019, when he kind of capped that off week 13, he had 44 target or from weeks 13 to week 16, he was the only tight end there for the Rams. He had 44 targets, 438 yards and a touchdown. TJ Hawkinson was the tight end five with Matthew Stafford last year. I'm just saying with no more, uh, ever, you know, Everett there, you could really see Tyler Higby step up and be that main starter. And if that happens, you're getting him, and you know, in the tenth round, I I actually really love uh, Tyler Higby. I've been the only way that's going to happen is if Cooper Cup and Robert Woods somehow miss a large stretch of games, because you know, that that's that's what we saw last year with the Lions. The reason T.J. Hawkinson had all of that was because there was no Kenny Galladay. You, you don't think that Stafford could uh, produce two solid wide receivers and a tight end? Not if they're throwing to the running back. I, I want to ask you guys a, a real question here. Uh, this is like actually legitimately blowing my mind right now. We're coming, we're in the 12th round here, kind of coming to the end of the draft. We're talking about tight ends, and I have legitimate tight end questions here. We talked about last year how there was all these upside bottom of the basement dudes like Joe New Smith, like Mike Gusecki. These guys, you know, sometimes they did some things, maybe they didn't, but I'm looking right now and it looks pretty juicy. Still available. We got Logan Thomas, who was still mentioned. We got Evan Ingram, who's still on the board. Uh, I took Hunter Henry, but you had Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, who are both there, who could both be the top pass catching options in New England. Like we got Cole Komet, who who showed some real flash. Yeah, Trotman. Yeah, are there some are there some guys like that are legit? Zach Ertz is still available. I know he might be washed, but that's still an exciting pick this late. Who would you, who are you most excited about from these bottom of the basement tight end tight end guys that actually might be top five when it's all said and done? I go back to my boy Blake Jarwin. Uh, my initial projections, he came out as the tight end ten for me. He's going to stay healthy. He's going to be a part of the best offense in football. <laughs> Blake Jarwin, baby, if you're going right. late, go Blake. I just had to drop like, him off of my dynasty team to make roster. This segment is sponsored by Linda. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Just one, one last point I want to say on Higby is no, but like only seven other teams are returning uh, more are not returning more targets than the Rams. So they have about 173 targets available. So there's definitely, there's stuff that is there for the taking. And if you say that they increase without Stafford, which I mean, I don't know, Joe, like, or Josh, do you want to go on record saying that Stafford is going to be worse than Jared Goff? Cause I I don't really want to. No, no, absolutely <laughs> so not. I will just say that Stafford I think is gonna, yeah, yeah, Stafford's going to be would, good this year. I have no, no, increase no that doubt offense. That. I just think that there's some meat on the bone more than people are actually talking about there. I, I and, think there are, sure. But at the end of the day, Sean McVay still wants to run the football. Oh, yeah. And you should so, want to. You, know, you and, need and, to protect yeah, exactly. all those picks that you went and give up for Matt Stafford. Yeah. I agree. But Matt Stafford is also a guy who loves to throw the football. And I think – McVay wants to open this offense up. He's wanted to do that for years and has been hands. I mean, their first available draft pick this year, they drafted Tutu Atwell. Right. When they already have a pretty dominant slot receiver in Cooper Cub, who has shown that he struggles when running from the outside. Right. So unless you're planning to put Atwell on the outside and keep Cup in the in the in the slot, one of like that's why the only wide receiver on that team right now that I trust is Bobby Treats, is Robert Woods. I want nothing to do with Cooper Cup this year because I don't know how they're going to use him after them spending their first uh, draft pick this year on a slot receiver. You think him and Goff's relationship really helped Cooper Cup's productivity? I think it did. Definitely in the red zone. Definitely in the red zone. Yeah, definitely in the red zone, sure. But, I mean, mean, even going back to to college, like Cooper Cup had really good hands. He was a very smooth guy out of the slot there. And he continued that here in the pros. 
So I, you know, I don't, I don't think it was all just his relationship with golf. I think it was just, they put him in this best situation to succeed. You know, McVeigh didn't get into his head. Dad named him Cooper because it would sound good over a football PA system. I was like, okay, (laughs) (laughs) look it up, Google it. Cooper Cup. How good would that sound coming out over a loudspeaker? His dad asked and named his kid Cooper Cup, and now he's an NFL player. So, like, maybe maybe he's committed to making it happen forever. (laughs) I I like your points there, Josh, and I'm probably gonna follow them in my draft. So he he owes it to his dad now. (laughs) There you go. Well, there was a there was a really interesting piece that was written. shortly after Goff was traded uh, to Detroit. And it was talking about how um, Sean McVay was very frustrated with Goff because he felt like he, and unless he play, called the perfect play for Jared Goff, he couldn't, he couldn't complete the, the play. And so he really had to scale back his playbook in order to do that. He really wow. wants to uh, open this thing up. Like he, he's a very intelligent guy. I've, I've, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I'm not trying to like, you know, uh, I don't know, kill it on the show on wow. on Sean McVay, but I will say like he's super smart in what he likes to do and how he develops that offense. And he, tr- based on what I was reading from like inside sources and stuff, is like that relationship was really bad, and so. He was Sean McVay was forced to actually call plays, you know, or call games and and run more because he was uh, not sure whether Goff could actually complete the play. So I, I think that changes with Stafford. Mm. And I think that's fair. I just, it's, it seems like Stafford's more developed. What's insane about Stafford is that he's only 33 years old. I feel like he's been around and hurt for so long that he, he feels like an old man. <laughs> yeah. Um but for him to only be 33 and to be able to go there, you're like a lot of people are avoiding players like Matt Stafford in Dynasty. Where Matt Stafford could give you three more good years, and that's what you're hoping for in Dynasty. Really good years. Well, Ryan, when you start the first part of your career in Detroit, that's an extra 10 years on your age. So it's he's true. basically 40. It's, it's like being point. president where you just age way quicker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and he spent the first couple of years in Detroit getting absolutely murdered oh, behind yeah. that shoddy yeah. offensive line. So, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how that really how that Rams offense as a whole looks. I know Chris over here picking uh 12th big Rams fan. I know he has some high hopes for obviously the team going, going forward with, with Stafford. And, you know, it, it, I, I don't know. Like I, like I said, Robert Woods is really the only one I, I trust from a pass catching perspective. I like acres and I think he'll ultimately be the bell cow. I said it all year last year that you don't, again, it's kind of what I was just talking about with Tutu Atwell. They spent their first available draft pick last year in 2020 on cam Akers, yeah, like after that, moving the, up that, for Darryl that is a, the year before exactly that yeah. is a screaming admission that this is our guy like we're right. going to make them a feature in this offense and you know what the whole bringing in at well just baffles me considering a they already have a dominant slot receiver in cooper cup and they just extended both woods and cup so that was ready to play football. In the uh, I mean, maybe he's like, not. I mean, you know, he yeah. needs to eat a few cheeseburgers. I mean, just he's only 150 pounds. So, you know, he's but hey, look at that. We have a mock draft. That's we, ugly. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I do want to get some, just to finish up this uh, tight end talk because I thought it was real sexy here. Uh, I want to get your guys's uh, input on Logan Thomas. You had mentioned Logan Thomas. And uh, I want to get your guys' input on 
what you guys think of Ryan Fitzmagic going there and his lack of kind of producing a top ten, uh, top tight end. I mean, you hit it on the head. Uh, it's it's well-known rhetoric, but it's that because it's right that Ryan Fitzmagic is going to focus on his wide receiver one. Um, it's going to be a great year for McLaurin. And while you could see Thomas suffer, it's not like he's going to completely fall off the map, I don't believe, just because we don't exactly know. Everyone's so happy about Curtis Samuel ending up in Washington, and I'm a little hesitant because he was wasted for years in Carolina. We saw him unlocked when he finally got away from that offense. And then he jumped right back into that offense. And so I think Logan Thomas, at least for the first half of this year, is still going to be the wide receiver two on that team. And if he is, there should be enough targets in such a shitty tight end landscape that he's still going to be a playable tight end. Um, I'm of the mindset, anybody who's watched our show knows I'm of the mindset. You either draft your tight end very early or you stream them. If I can land Logan Thomas this late and play him for the first three or four weeks until a matchup comes along that I like better or something, that's that's a great play for someone who likes to stream the position. I love that. I don't hate Thomas. I think he's still going to see some work, but I don't think he's going to have near the type of volume that he had last year. I know Fitzmagic is more of a YOLO guy, like he's just going to let it fl- sling, but... I to me it's going to be very interesting to see how they work him into this offense because they have an absolutely smothering defense. They just need Fitz Magic to not fuck up, <laughs> not turn the football over, uh, and let about the defense that. win the yeah. game games. He doesn't, exactly. like, he doesn't play that way, dude. Like, that's not his style. Square peg, round hole. Like yeah, that's what they're trying to do with Fitz Magic. And I just like, I feel like everybody is talking about Washington running away with the East. And I think Fitz magic is going to cost them more games than they want to believe. And I think you could the see most Fitz magic stuff ever. Like, yeah, he's, it will he's be. Such a, Absolutely yeah, will he's, be. we're getting all the hype, all the Ryan Fitz magic stuff in the off season going right now. And he's definitely going to be a guy that loses multiple games for them. That's just <laughs> what he does. Yep. Um, but I think it's definitely paired with that defense. Uh, you know, that's going to be something interesting because that defense alone kept them in the division race all year last year. Uh, th- with- that defense won them the division last year. Right. Yep. Yeah. Which right, guys, of course, didn't take much uh, because everybody sucked. So. Yeah. I- I'm going to throw the big board up on the whole screen now and we can uh, jump into uh, picking our right. favorites. Oh, no. Where'd we go? <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody want to start? I have mine. I'm just uh, going to go say it. that I have hands down the best wide receiver core. Great. You can't pick <laughs> just saying. Just saying. I'm not going to lie. Although I do like Chris's with Jones and, and Allen and Lockett. So. so are you picking I, him? Do you want to talk about him? What are you doing here, bud? <laughs> I'm just, I'm throwing out points. That's it. <laughs> I was looking over the teams, not just throwing out points. And while I was tempted, to be honest, I liked every one of the fantasy whisperers team, but to no surprise, their league champion, Jay Blizzy, came in here and killed it again. Uh, started off with Chubb and DeAndre Swift, and then goes Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, Cooper Cup at wide receiver. Backs his running backs up with Mike Davis. This is a two-running back league, so you can be a little bit weaker at running back where you just have to plug and play. Grabs my boy Justin Herbert all the way in the seventh. High upside wide receivers maybe in Samuel, Rashad Bateman, 
T.Y. Hilton and then manages to land J.D. McKissick, who is, might also be a PPR nightmare later on in the draft. He did do two Cardinal sins for me, but he did them late enough. I don't draft backup tight ends or quarterbacks, but if Logan Thomas, last year's tight end three, is sitting there in the 12th round and Matt Ryan, who is a potentially top 10 fantasy quarterback, is sitting there in the 13th of a 12-round draft or of a 12-team draft, I feel like that's too much value to pass up. So I'm giving my crown to Jay Blizzy. Yeah, I definitely, in 12-team leagues, I don't hate drafting a backup. If it's a 10-team league, I'm not drafting a backup quarterback. But 12-team, it's, it's there's still enough that goes on that, you know, quarterback will get hit, hurt. And I've seen it falter for me on numerous occasions where I don't have a backup in a 12-team. My QB goes down, and I'm absolutely fucked towards the end of the season. So yeah. definitely don't hate on that. And kind of going through and looking, I, I like Blizzy's team as well. Um yeah, it's it's not a surprise for me that Josh kind of Josh Blizzy, uh, Jay Blizzy that we have here kind of did this, but I do like Chris's team. Uh, Josh, you actually had me uh, looking at it, and I do like what he did going tight end early, then getting Eckler, PPR monster, obviously of mm-hmm. course, and then the wide receiving course stacked. If you're gonna have Lockett, have him as your third wide receiver. I love that. Yeah. Um, the Melvin Gordon thing situation with Javante Williams is kind of a little scary. We've heard some reporters saying like they could cut Melvin Gordon this year. I don't know. Like if we're drafting today, I like this pick. I think Melvin yeah. Gordon's getting slept on if if we're if he's still on the team right now. And then Tannehill, I just think has just been a monster, and people just sleep on him all the time. Uh, so really like Chris's team probably for a close second uh, with Josh's. I think I'm gonna go with uh, the fantasy five here at the 108 spot. Um, took Ezekiel Elliott, then Joe Wait, Mixon. Can we we can win? Because if so, I would have just chosen myself. No, you can't pick yourself. <laughs> I'm just Come kidding. on. I didn't pick myself. I know. <laughs> you picked the winner. I mean, oh, you're yeah. pandering. <laughs> I get it. Well, I know I'm being honest here because this is the reality. All right. Um, grabs Ezekiel Elliott, then Joe Mixon, two solid running backs to start in your two slots. Then you've got Kareem Hunt, who uh, was drafted in the fourth round, who I absolutely am really, really liking this year as just a very solid RB2. And where he's going, I I just think that it fits uh, him really well. Even if he doesn't get that massive workload, like I don't think he needs it in order to be very, very solid running back for you again. And that's like your flex play there. Justin Jefferson as the wide receiver one, even though you got him in the third round, that's yeah, unbelievable. I was a shocked by that one. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then Mark Andrews, I'm a fan of Mark Andrews, although I'm a little surprised you took Mark Andrews. I'm not, uh, but the he's, he's the yeah. last viable option. If he gets to me in the fifth, I will hate pick him every single time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, and again, I've, you know, Jamar chase as your wide receiver too. I, I like that. I think that there's a lot of upside there. And uh, uh, Javonta Williams, big fan of his. I, you know, we, you have actually, you brought it to our attention of how that Denver actually split last year. It was uh, a very uh, evenly split between the two running backs. So I do think that's interesting. Paired with what Travis was saying, that makes that pick very, very intriguing, especially in the seventh round. Tom Brady. I'm, you know, we're done doubting the guy. And if he doesn't pan out and actually father time does once and for all get to him, uh, then it's easy to stream that position. You got Antonio Brown. I was looking at him, Corey Davis. I'm a big Corey Davis fan. Uh, Henderson, who we talked about his upside late AJ green. Listen, as a Cardinals fan, 
I, I do think that AJ Green is being a little bit slept on as far as like, I, I still think he's going to get a good amount of targets here in this offense. And so you're getting him super late. And then Paris Campbell, I actually was going to bring Paris Campbell up earlier in the show uh, because we got the sleeper update that he should be good to go. Yeah. And I, I was a big fan of Paris Campbell last year and was really hoping for the breakout. Uh, and then he got injured. And so I was going to ask you guys what you kind of thought of Paris Campbell. But uh, overall, yeah, I really like that that draft. I, I dig that team a lot. Yeah, definitely want- worth a flyer on Campbell. One thing I want to quickly throw out is I picked the 1-8 because I watched your show on Monday. And I thought the guy from the 1-8 in your show did the best. I'm starting nice. to fall in love with this 1-8 spot if you get to pick your spot in, in fantasy drafts. <laughs> so. I wanted to give a quick second to shed a little light on Slebo in the 1-2 because I would agree with pretty much most of the points that have been made about the other drafters here. And I think we got a lot of good teams we're looking at. Certainly not a lot of bad teams for sure. And I, I want to give Slebo some credit here for while I don't love the team I don't think it was at any fault of his own and I think he just drafted really well I think it was a really uh, yeah, value-based draft you know getting DK Metcalf there in the third love to see that and then Cooper in the fourth And I'm looking at the guys that he could have taken or that were available afterwards and I'm like no I, I think he did the right good, thing exactly. yeah good balance between <laughs> upside and floor play you know, you get Lamar Jackson there um, a little bit later down. You still hold that upside. Maybe you like Kyler Murray more, but, you know, we're talking about a guy who was the number one quarterback not too long ago. Um, guys then like Leonard Fournette and Raheem Mostert to balance out that running back rotation where we know the risk that's involved with them, but these guys could be the leading guys for run-heavy teams. Um, Marquise Brown, if he takes a jump, we all know what he's capable of. Jarvis Landry could be the number one regardless of Odell Beckham. Um, and then Carter and, and White, I think these are nice upside plays. Nicole Hardman, we expect to take a bump up. So it's just, I think, a well-drafted team, yeah. and I wanted to White give him a shout-out White PPR in the 13th round is huge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's right. just disgusting that he fell that far. But yeah. again, I, I see it. I mean, when you look at the, Q, the quarterback situation there, like we all thought he would do well last year, and Cam Newton just absolutely shit the bed. Obviously, we expect the changing of the guard at quarterback mm. there, but you know we don't know how long Belichick's going to stubbornly stay with Cam Newton. We all know and it if was, they do, that's going COVID. to hurt. He shit the bed because of COVID. We all know that. No, he shit the bed because he sucks. I'm still on the side of COVID. Joe is going to kill me. And I was thinking we weren't going to get Josh in the Kool-Aid today since Joe's not here, but apparently he's won over. I'm so. playing the role of Joe here. I mean, somebody's got, you know. <laughs> I had to yeah. put on a different hat, but I'll never wear a Red Sox hat. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree with the Slebo like dark horse kind of for yeah. just yeah, a well-drafted nice team. All right, does anybody want to nominate someone to pick on? I have. All right, I, 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 yeah, I have to go with the guy we started picking on, Fred Beasy, when we talked about Cam Akers initially. I just think that this team, I love like. Look, first of all, I just need to caveat this. I thought there were a lot of well-drafted teams. It was hard to pick like one certain one that I didn't like. But this team, particularly like from rounds four down, has a lot of question marks for me. Gaskin, obviously, we talked about the draft capital and how he's just not that He's not a hugely talented guy, so we'll see. Adam Thielen with the emergence of Justin Jefferson. T. Higgins with Jamar Chase coming to town. Hawkinson with Jared Goff. Jalen Hurts when his own team maybe doesn't like him. Maybe maybe, maybe Josh can (laughs) shed some light on that. (laughs) Chanel, we talked about maybe too much much of a gadget. I think he is too. I I think that makes sense. But just this one had too many question marks for me. 
to overcome versus some of the other ones that I liked. Um, I think it has the ability to be a playoff team. Like, like a lot of teams start off that oh, way, absolutely. but, but this one just, it, it's, it's not rubbing me the right way. So to speak. I actually like his team. I'm going to get myself in a lot of trouble, especially because this person faith won the last draft that I did with her and that's oh, faith. Yeah. And I was talking faith up all the way before this show, but she drafted two quarterbacks in the single digit rounds, which is a huge no, no for me still drafted two tight ends. And I hate Josh Jacobs and David Johnson. She basically yeah. lost me from that point forward. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad team. And if Devonte Adams is Devonte Adams, again, this is a team that with Russell Wilson, she could put together and make a run, but I don't like middle of the road tight ends. I don't like two quarterbacks in single digit rounds. So I beg for her forgiveness already, but I'm not going to get it. Sorry, Faith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you guys kind of touched on the two teams that, you know, were kind of least appealing to me. Uh, Fred's team. I just think there's way, way, way too many question marks there. Uh, same thing with Faith. I, I I love Dobbins. I think it was a bit of a reach. David Johnson. I'm not touching anyone on that Texans offense. Like there is not a chance in hell. I don't care if I get him in the 15th round. There is no fucking way I am taking either Brandon Cooks or David Johnson. It just is not happening. I'm sorry. I got to oh, go with, for sorry, me, uh, for, for me, it's Pui 31 at the one. And it's similar for the reasons Travis outlined with Fred Beasy's fourth round down selections. Just a lot of question marks. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at outside of Christian McCaffrey, Calvin Ridley, I like, but taken that early when I, for me, I would rather have a Michael Thomas, a DK Metcalf, even a, a Justin Jefferson with Julio Jones still over there. Um, I, I like the Najee Harris pick, but we know with a the rookie, there's more, risk baked in there we talked about cd lamb and the other weapons that are on the team we talked about tyler boyd and our lack of love for him kyle pitts in the seventh is a rookie tight end neam hines in a single digit round when jonathan taylor's supposed to be the dog will fuller's going to be suspended uh another rookie in jalen waddle um carson wentz say a, a wing and a prayer for that guy it's 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 there's just a there's just a lot of question marks for me obviously this could be a playoff team and take you to a championship a lot of high upside but there's just too many question marks for me to be enthusiastic about p31 squad and we talk about this on your show all the time when i'm on um your draft position kind of really locks you into certain things and if i'm picking on either of the two bookends where my picks are so far apart Hmm. you almost have to go qb late I love Josh Allen, but you could have addressed so many more needs there and then still landed Tom Brady five rounds later, Mm. Joe Burrow three rounds later, Matt Stafford a couple of rounds later, Dak Prescott even two rounds later, where you could have just kept pumping up your running backs and wide receivers because there's such a big gap between your picks. You have to be careful about getting a quarterback early in that spot. Yeah, rookie tight ends make me so nervous. Oh, yeah. And Kyle Pitts there in the seventh, he was what the – fifth six tight end off the board like i'm fine with that if it's dynasty mm-hmm. i'm not getting that at all he doesn't have a single alpha wide receiver on his team it could be the number two or later for every single wide receiver I, ridley's the number one guy there for me like i i'm not buying this whole julio jones thing we saw the changing of the guard between roddy white and julio and you're seeing the exact yeah. same thing now with ridley and julio and probably I I like Josh's point of like if it's a keeper or a dynasty, I'm fine paying that because it's probably if he ends up popping off, it's probably the cheapest you're going to get him if he ends up being a top four. But in a redraft league where it's just like the slate is wiped clean every single year. Yeah, I'm not touching Kyle Pitts this year. 
boys, I think that's it. All yeah. right. Well, I, that look was, at that. That was seventy-five awesome. minutes later, and look at that, Austin. We snuck right in <laughs> under your uh, your hard out time. So. Oh, amazing, <laughs> gentlemen. I just want to say thank you so much for uh, hopping on with us. Uh, you know, two years in a row now, we we've been a part of your uh, mock draft uh, marathon that you do, and and finally we've been able to make it happen where we could get you guys on with us and and shoot the shit and and have some fun. So uh, I, I really appreciate you guys coming on, and sad that Joe missed it. Even yeah. though he was, you know, hovering around in the comments every once in a while. Yeah, look, he's an MVP. He's the talent of the show, apparently. So he gets to do whatever he wants <laughs> to do. I, I, I know how that opinion goes. solely belongs to Joe. Let, let's, <laughs> let's just drop that, okay? Look, I know how that goes being on the show. So, like, I get I get what that's all about. No, uh, we appreciate you guys having us. We appreciate being in here with your guys' people. And love to see uh, Faith and Joe uh, in the chat, even though we couldn't yeah. see him on the screen. And we, we, uh, we're just blessed to be on here get to talk about with you guys it's fun well you got to tell everybody where they can find all your stuff and pitch the mock draft marathon if you guys have anything on that yet yeah so this year we're gonna do it in late july uh it'll be the last weekend of july we'll be doing the mock draft marathon that's 24 straight hours of mock drafting these beautiful men that are on with us right now and some more beautiful people in the industry uh so make sure you just subscribe to us over on youtube search the fantasy whispers um and and smash us over there we got the fantasywhispers.com has all of our links and um let me uh, – yeah, if you guys just get on over there. We've got our uh, free Discord channel, which we just put, popped up in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, we'll so get the link uh, over there for you guys, uh, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Just Now, I'm sure with that Discord channel, your drafts are going to fill up a little faster, but I highly recommend following them on Twitter if you like mock drafting. Basically about – I think it's about, what, 2 Eastern, 5 Pacific. You guys put out the link to get in the draft, and then the show starts at 3, somewhere right around opposite. there. So. It would be oh, yeah. too yeah. Pacific. <laughs> 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 yeah, but actually, it's did, not even that. It's, it's too it's, Eastern for sure. So it's 11 yeah. Pacific. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. That's it's, right. Well, we do that. Uh, I do that all the time. I, it's it's the worst. The well, time funny is, I think you just did it on the last show, and then yeah. I literally just walked right into it. <laughs> so, it's hard. It's, uh, it's not hard to do. No, it, it happens. Follow them on Twitter. Join their mock drafts. You're always drafting with great people. It's you learn something every time. Sometimes they do guests. Sometimes it's just the three of them. They are simply the best. I'm not, I'm not blowing smoke. You want to follow these guys. So appreciate that. Appreciate Ryan. you so much. Oh, fucking awesome, man. <laughs> All right. Any any last words before I go into this outro that I'm for sure going to flub because I'm not Joe. Because <laughs> I'm not Joe. <laughs> I believe in you. That's my last word. I, I believe in you. Thank you, Travis. I believe in you, Ryan. I believe in you, Josh. Yeah. You guys are awesome. And and you Love said it. it was only it was two straight years, and and we plan on making that three straight years with you guys Love on the mock draft marathon. Can't wait. Love yeah. to hear it. Love to hear. All it. right, I'll throw it, Josh. All right, guys. Thanks so much to the Fantasy Whispers for coming on with us. Be sure we just dropped last week the latest episode of the Speakeasy. Linda sat down with Victoria from Ball Blast to talk about her rise in the industry and her latest podcast, the Ball Blast Dynasty Playbook. So head over to uh, our YouTube page, youtube.com forward slash Club Fantasy FFL. Give that a watch. And while you're there, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and check out last week's episode with Jorge Edwards from Fantasy and Frames. We talked about IDP leagues. So if you need an introduction and get set up with IDP, it's a great intro show, again, with me hosting because Joe wanted to be an analyst or something. I don't know. (laughs) So um, again, once again, be sure to follow us at Club Fantasy FFL on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. URL is clubfantasyffl.com. Once again, if you've yet to subscribe to our YouTube channel, get on it, youtube.com forward slash clubfantasyffl. 
next week we start our a look inside series it is our team previews that we do every year our shows will tackle three different teams every week we're going to have articles up on the website three times a week so be sure hit that website clubfantasyffl.com next week we have not one but two guests on our show you saw me hosting in place of joe this week next week we have the young fantasy mind himself hutchison brown who's been in the chat here for the last 10 minutes or so he will be guest hosting and our special guest for the show where we talk about the jaguars the jets and the absolutely terrible texans team howard bender from fantasy alarm will be joining us it's gonna be absolutely fantastic once again be sure to follow our awesome guests, Johnny, Travi, Austin, the Fantasy Whispers on Twitter at TF Whispers on Instagram at the Fantasy Whispers. And once again, subscribe to their YouTube page, youtube.com forward slash the Fantasy Whispers. For Ryan at the Fantasy Five, the missing host, Joe at Joe underscore Zolo, myself at the One Hudsonian. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you guys next week. <laughs>